is always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hour number two of Green and Growing right here on WSB. And uh, yeah, my guests made the observation. It's still dark out at seven o'clock. I mean, that three or four weeks ago, that was not the case. So it's getting daylight later and later into the morning. But get up, stretch your legs, stretch your arms, get some coffee and get the day going. You have a lot of uh, fun things you could be doing this weekend for sure. If you're not sure of what's going on around town, visit my website, wsbradio.com slash green and growing. Scroll all the way down to garden opportunities, classes, and events. And there's all kinds of cool things happening this weekend. And right now, happening right now, Jeff Roth, Rafael Santiago of Premier Tree Solutions. Welcome back, guys. Hey, Ashley. How you doing? Good, Good. morning. This is like every month, every six week kind of thing when I get you guys in studio. Yeah. And we just get to help people out. It's, it's a, lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And then are you working later today or do you get to go home and go back to bed? I'm, wor- I'm working. working, yeah. I've okay. got about four or five stops today. Boss is working today. Wow. <laughs> now, is any of that storm-related? We didn't really see a lot of impact from Ian, but I don't know. What calls are you getting? Uh, no, not really. No, these are uh, I'm going to look at some jobs for some other tree companies in the area. And um, we only got one call on Thursday, mm-hmm. and uh, that was from one of our municipalities that we work with. Uh, just one broken limb, that was it. Wow. See, we were very fortunate. We dodged a yeah. bullet there, didn't we? Yeah. We cut our day short on Thursday because they were up in the lifts and the buckets and it was too windy. So we, they had to come down. Wow. Yeah. Um, that becomes a safety issue. So yeah. rain wasn't even the factor. It was those winds on Thursday. Yes. That's right. Wow. Yeah. And what we did get to was a lot of clients, a lot of our customers kind of panicking a little bit. You know, can, right. can you get me on a schedule, please? This week, it's got to be this week before mm-hmm. the weekend. Lots of them. So that kind of messed up the schedule a little bit. And in some cases, we had to educate them and, and tell them, this is just a pruning job. Right. Trees far away from the house. Relax. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, really early in the week to listen to the forecasts, it was, you know, we were anticipating a lot more yeah. rain. There was a lot of local events that may be called off for today in anticipation of getting rain. Yeah. I think we're sitting at a 30% chance. Whatever. That's pretty typical coming out of summertime anyways. Pretty I don't much. think any day is literally zero. Um, but so if we were to have had an event thinking about storm damage, what homeowners anticipate, what you said, Raphael, their, their biggest fears of, you know, the worst case scenario is a tree falling onto your house. Let's start at the bottom of the tree and work our way up. So as a homeowner, am I able to see any potential of, you know, the roots loose in the soil or the tree, you know, being uprooted or anything like that? Or does that go to a certified arborist to look at that? There's a lot that you can do on your own. Uh, And like you said, you can start at the bottom. Just look around the trunk of the tree. See if you see any decaying bodies like mushrooms and conks and other things like that. If you see a lot of ants eating off of the living wood, the living tissue of the tree, that's another problem too. These are all indications there's something going on inside the trunk of the tree. So these are things that you can tell uh, yourself. Another way to look at it is if you step out a little bit and you look up in a canopy, try to see those tipping dieback branches, you know, branches dying back from the tip towards the bottom, especially when they happen at the top of the canopy. When you see the branches dying at the bottom part of the canopy, that's totally fine. Trees shed just like dogs shed fur, you know, Mm -hmm. it's common. But if you see that happening at the top of the canopy and if you see lots of branches, there's something wrong with with your tree. So take a look at it. So there are ways for a typical homeowner with the naked eye to look at these things and kind of tell whether or not the tree's uh, going through something. 
And it's so unpredictable, Jeff, too, to know whether it's going to be a large pine tree that literally gets, you know, brought up by the roots and falls Mm -hmm. or whether it's a hardwood that you never would have expected. Um, What can lead to an entire tree just coming up out of the ground and onto your home or across your yard? Uh, really, it's a lot of powerful winds. And like Raphael said, there's could be um, sometimes you can't see what's going on inside the tree and some of those rot, uh, roots could be decaying. Mm-hmm. And the right wind comes in and grabs that canopy and just pulls that tree over. Uh, I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it pull up a root ball and the sidewalk and the road attached wow. with it. Like it, I think it was like a 12 to 15 foot root ball. It was My unbelievable. gosh. So, um, and when, when it comes to pine trees, that's, that's really easy. Uh, if you look up and the needles are browning bad or, the, or, there, is no, or there are no needles, mm-hmm. then that's a, a sign that the tree's dead and it's not coming back. Yeah, and that's dangerous. And it is, and uh, pines out. decay really quickly. So you want to get us or somebody out there as soon as possible. Um, if you start seeing bark coming off the tree, it's getting really bad. Yeah. Okay. And another thing that I noticed, too, just doing a little bit of debris cleanup in my yard from the winds, picking up limbs and things, tulip poplars, they lose, like, big chunks of, you know, small branches with the leaf clusters. And yeah. I always am fearful of that, but I think that's probably a little common and there's it's nothing to worry about. It's part of the species, yeah. They, they shed a lot. And yeah. I think they're the first ones in the fall to change collars, right? I think they're doing it right now. As we speak, uh, pretty much, yeah. and uh, yeah, they shed a lot, and they're very. They have a lot of leaves, you know. Every tulip poplar tree, they got sweet a lot gums of, too. Sweet gums too, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty common, yes. Yeah. Speaking of sweet gums, I want to ask you this before I forget. I have a list of things to ask ask the two of you, but as you mentioned, sweet gums. I had uh, a listener on the Facebook page the other day ask about sweet gums, and hey, Ashley, isn't there something that I can do to my tree? to make it not uh, drop as many sweet gum balls. And I thought of you because the answer is yes. Yes, yes, there is. You can actually inject some chemicals into the trunk of the tree. It's a systematic process. It goes inside the tree and it stays there. Um, I think I mentioned this before. There is a very small window in the year, in the beginning of the year, right before bud break, that it can do it that is effective. Um, That's typically in the beginning of March, the first 15 days of March. Uh, so you have that window in 2023, the first 15 days of March, you inject the, the, the it's called a, deflower, a deflowering agent. And what it does is it kills the buds right before they, they bloom. So you're not going to see those sweet gum balls anymore. They say it's 90 to 95% effective. So you may see one or two, but definitely not the same. <laughs> yeah, swarm of sweet gum balls that you right. get typically from your sweet gum trees. So see, Sarah, there's a good answer for you. And uh, really like... People would need to think to get on y'all's calendar. Can you clear those 15 days and, you know, Raphael, go work on that while other parts of the crew are working on other things? Yeah, we don't need to send the whole crew out there. Raphael usually takes care of that, and he'll spend a week to seven days yeah. just doing all those properties. Yeah, I one take time. one guy with me, and yeah. then that's enough. Yeah. And obviously no permanent damage to the tree. It's mm-hmm. not affecting the tree health mm-hmm. in any way. Not at all, and it, this has been happening for years now. I know it's not very widely known by people but it's been uh people have been using these chemicals on trees by injections for a long long time yeah oh i just had the sweet gum tree taken out i was like i'm done with you then it was shading too much of the yard and all of that it was just a mess that's tree. an alternative yeah, yeah that, <laughs> but i mean i do like the idea of keeping the tree so when there is something that can counteract the the part of it that people don't like yeah we um, offered i'm sorry we offer that option 
mainly because there's sometimes there's a very large sweet gum tree in the backyard right by the right by the pool and there's yeah. no access to the tree and we're talking thousands and thousands of dollars and there involves a crane etc cetera, etc cetera. and the only problem is they want to get rid of the, the sweet gum balls mm-hmm. and so there is an alternative that's going to be less costly for you and that's yep. when it comes into play pretty nicely yeah so i will remind all of you uh when that time comes the beginning of march to really get on with these guys. And uh, what what other things does it work for, too? What other kinds of trees? Acorns uh, from oak oh. trees, although that's not the most common. The sweet gum is the number one re- request. Yeah. Uh, but acorns and some other, pretty much any fruiting trees that you want to stop the tree from fruiting out. Hey, Raphael, is that the same chemical that's used yes. on the sweet gum? It's the same deflowering agent, yes. And uh Going back to storm damage, guys, uh, thinking about, you know, falling limbs and all of that kind of thing, whether it's due to the wind, whether it's due to heavy rains or whatever, when there is a large limb that's fallen in the yard, if I'm able to kind of look up and identify where it was ripped off of the tree, is there anything I need to do with the stump that's left that's coming out of the trunk? If that was just a really messy break, is that going to leave the tree vulnerable for anything? In most cases, it does. Uh, what you need to do is you need to get a climber to go up in the tree or maybe use a bucket truck, whichever means you have to go up there and finish the cut. What happens is when the tree breaks a branch from it, it typically pews off a good amount of the bark, right. comes off with it, and it, expl- it, ex- um, it shows a lot of the bark, the living tissue that is not supposed to be uh, exposed. Mm-hmm. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> it's still early. I, yeah. I forgive you. <laughs> So, yeah, make sure you send somebody up there in your tree and finish the cut. Cut it back to the to the branch collar. That's the proper way to prune trees anyways. That's how the trees are going to be able to seal the wand and grow from there. Perfect. Okay. Well, your tree questions, anything health-related or pruning or where to plant, what to plant, tree identification, we can help you with that. 404-872-0750. Going to take a break, and when we come back, this is the first installment of Georgia Leaf Watch with Seth Hawkins from the Georgia Forestry Commission. If you're looking to head up to North Georgia this weekend, where you'll see some of the most colorful uh, leaf changes now, and just wait for a few weeks, it's only going to get better. We'll be right back. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. Fifty-five degrees outside in Midtown Atlanta right now. Thankfully, the weekend did not end up being what we were fearful of back Tuesday, Wednesday, when we were thinking we were going to get a lot of rain. There is still a thirty percent chance for isolated morning showers, breezy, drier in the afternoon with a high of seventy-two and partly cloudy skies tomorrow, a high of seventy. So don't forget the sweater. All right, what we're starting this month, first Saturday in October, and we will hear from him every Saturday throughout the month at seven twenty. Seth Hawkins is back. Back with us from the Georgia Forestry Commission. Welcome back to the show, my friend. And morning, Ashley. How hey. are you this morning? I'm so glad to be back with you. Yeah, for sure. Fall's my favorite time of year. Uh, fall leaf color, football season, and I also get to spend some time with you, so it's always a great time. Yes, you, <laughs> you and Stacia have been doing this for me now three years, and we love our North Georgia Fall Leaf Report. Every Saturday, we'll do this update at 720. Uh, just, you know, for, for tourism respects, for people that live up there, when they're really anticipating seeing prime leaf change color and everyone loves the north georgia mountains for that very reason um we've had a lot of cooler nights i mean now we've got lows in the 50s seth and sunny days there have been fluctuations in temperature though you know i mean we were still at 85 90 a week ago so what does that mean for the leaf change 
I know we've been getting some cold snaps the last, you know, week yeah. or so. Um, but, yeah, those higher than average temperatures actually in September are kind of driving the leaf color change back a little bit. So we're running, you know, maybe a week or so behind. You can expect peak leaf color change to be probably the end of October, early November, depending on aspect and elevation. Um, yeah, right now it's still pretty green up there. We are starting to see um, the sourwoods, kind of the harbinger of fall, kind of starting to show, especially along the roadsides. The dogwoods along the roadsides are starting to turn their purples and reds. Uh, the red maples and salt maples are starting to show a little bit of their yellows and a little bit of reds in places. And then over in the northeast, the um, tulip poplars are kind of starting to turn a tinge of yellow. So yeah. we're running, like I said, a little late right now, but it'll get here for sure. Tulip poplars and sourwood, definitely one of the first ones that I tend to see, too, up in Cherokee County. Um, and talking about, you know, the temperature fluctuations, Seth, and of course, you know, less sunlight during the day now with shorter days, but also just as key in all of this, rainfall plays a factor, too. Yeah, for sure. You know, we had a lot of adequate rainfall this summer, so the trees, you know, all seem pretty charged up. Right now, you know, the forest doesn't seem stressed out, so when the trees are doing their thing and they're happy and healthy, that usually equates to the best fall leaf color change. So at this point, we just got to cross our fingers and hope we don't get some big wind events that can come take them down once they start to change. Um, luckily, we missed some stuff from Hurricane Ian, so that was yeah. nice. So that kind of preserved the trees that are starting to abscise a little bit. Um, but, yeah, for sure, um, you know, again, the, those daylight hours you mentioned, that's playing a big role. And that can, you know, especially when you start getting down to, like, Cherokee County and the more urbanized areas, you know, those daylight hours play a bigger role depending on where your tree's located. So maybe if it's getting shaded by a structure or another tree, that can actually kind of trip the tree up. And it thinks it's getting different daylight hours than it would in the natural setting. So you'll see some stuff in the urban environment kind of following its own schedule. True, true. And, you know, you mentioned we did dodge a bullet from the rains and some of the winds from Hurricane Ian. But if we just have one storm event like that, Seth, does that kind of put us in jeopardy for some of the trees losing their leaves early and then we're going to be robbed of that color? That is always, always something that can happen in the fall. As the trees start to, as that color change happens, it starts to abscise that leaf. And that attachment at the petiole gets weaker and weaker as that process moves forward. So the wind that is needed to take those leaves down actually becomes less and less, you know, that will actually take the leaves off the tree. So we definitely cross our fingers. Um, Fall is, you know, we get some weather systems roll in. um, So we just got to cross our fingers and uh, hope to goodness that we get to hold on to the leaves until they are fully changed. Well, I'm looking forward to updates from you every Saturday. And in the meantime, you know, all of you foresters are taking pictures, showing us what you see. How can folks see that for themselves? Oh, yeah. Go to our website, gatrees.org. On the home page, you will see on the home banner, there is a fall leaf color page. You can go on there. There's great resources, awesome uh, story map where you can look at the pictures that our foresters are gathering. And it's actually geolocated on the map. So you can kind of go try to go chase down that picture yourself. (laughs) We also have some YouTube videos of um, some of our foresters going on rides, you know, leaf rides, looking for this leaf color. So We're really trying to help everybody uh, find the best spots for leaf color and understand the process of leaf color change as the fall moves forward. That's a lot of fun, and I appreciate the work all of you are doing. Seth Hawkins from the Georgia Forestry Commission. We'll talk to you one week from now, friend. Hey, thanks, Ashley. Thanks. We'll be right back. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB.
halfway through the show. Goes by so quickly, but glad to be with you live on a Saturday morning, October 1st, first Saturday of the month. So a lot of exciting things coming on the show uh, this month. And I always love my guests. And about every four or six weeks, I have Jeff and Raphael from Premier Tree Solutions, Chop My Tree On, and you always come up with such great tree questions for these guys. So bring them on, 404-872-0750. Um, Raphael, just another question, too, in talking about Hurricane Ian. We, we missed a lot of that, thank goodness, but there's bound to be another round that we're probably going to have to hunker down for a little bit more. Um, but that got me thinking, too, if we do have a big rain event and the soil stays saturated, what is that going to mean for areas that stay puddled or pooled or just the moisture is so heavy around the roots of trees and bases of trees? Obviously, any kind of prolonged moisture like that can't be good. No, it's not good. And we're coming to that time in the year where um, it doesn't take only one or two days of uh, sunlight to dry up. So it takes a little longer now with the with the winter and with the fall. So uh Keep an eye on your on those trees in shaded areas. Uh, you don't want to have oversaturation of the ground for many reasons. Uh, you know, a, a strong gust of wind can take that tree down if that tree's around saturated soils for a long period of time. Uh, it just it it messes up the the stability of the tree really, and the it, the tree becomes more vulnerable, more likely to uh, uproot in a strong storm. So. And unfortunately, there's not much you can do in terms of drying that, that ground up. Uh, what you can do is allow for more sunlight. Uh, so you can prune other nearby trees or maybe even remove a tree or two, kind of thin it out if you have a heavily wooded area in your backyard um, to allow for more sunlight penetration and try and get that area um, more dry. Yeah, when you have uh, the guys from ChopMyTree.com come out, I mean, it's not always removing a tree, Jeff. I mean, y'all do work like limbing up trees and cleaning up cuts and stuff that it's going to save us money. And it's kind of a, a, a good fix, you know, in some cases like this when you just need more sunlight to filter through. Yeah, I would say 50% of our business is probably just pruning trees, mm-hmm. uh, doing beautification work, getting limbs off um, houses, things of that nature. So it's just not always tree removal. We try to look at other solutions first. Just before saying, yep, let's just take the tree out. So <laughs> Right. And and I asked you, too, um, in talking about the ground staying saturated, probably what we don't want to do around our trees is get fill dirt and just shovel yeah. that on and throw that at the base. What's that going to do? Well, that could choke out the tree. Uh, there's nothing wrong with keeping some mulch or some pine straw around the, the base of the tree, but you don't want to put dirt around it. Yeah. So, um, And that brings me to a question that I did get from Cindy uh, a few weeks back. Several roots of a cherry tree above ground, and she just wanted to know if they should be covered with topsoil and mulch. Uh, back years ago, she'd put landscape fabric in the entire pine bed to prevent weeds, and the fa- fabric seemed to be impeding the roots of that cherry as they got larger. So Raphael's like, no, no, yeah, ah. don't do that. Why? <laughs> no. Well, you don't want to put fabric on top. Is it on top of the root system? Is that what she did? I don't know. It was back a few years Usually ago. Usually you so put it, was- it down first. So, and then, yeah. yeah, mulch is the way to go, in my opinion. Mulch allows, it's a slow-release fertilizer. It allows for, it stops weeds from growing in most cases, not always. I, I know that. Um, and uh, it's always a good option. It keeps a good temperature in the root system. And uh, it doesn't stop water from coming in and evaporate. So you need that good cycle of nature around your trees. So I think mulch is always the, the best option for you. And we don't want to go right up against the trunk, but how far out do we need to spread the mulch from the trunk? 
you need to be able to see the trunk flare. For those who don't know what the trunk flare is, is that, that initial curvature when, the, when you start seeing the roots going into the ground. And then do we need to go all the way out to the drip line and the tips of the branches, or that's a bit much? Yeah, you can go out to the drip line. Okay. Uh, for, you know, if you want to kind of estimate the size of your root ball, uh, look up in a canopy and kind of try to mirror that down, and you're going to see the edges of your roots there. So you can go as far as where the canopy goes. Okay. Mm. All right, we've got some great questions from folks out there. 404-872-0750 out to Dallas and Paulding County. Say good morning to Michael. Hey, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey, what's going on? I've got a, I believe it's an oak tree beside my driveway on our property, and there are these purple berries that are falling off of the tree. It kind of, they look like muscadines, um, but when I did a quick search on Google, it pulled up that they were uh, galls or from parasitic wasps or something to that effect. And so they're landing on the driveway? Yes. Yeah, so when I think of gall to Raphael, the only one I've seen in person, but I know it exists in other things, uh, camellia leaf gall that happens in the spring where the leaf of a camellia will become bulbous and, mm -hmm. you know, expanded and almost like a, a different color. Instead of that deep green, it's like a lime green like your shirt, Jeff, but it just like blows up. And that's a yeah wasp getting on there and doing its thing. Um, so what does that look like in an oak tree on an oak leaf? It like most foliage diseases, they go away. So that's the good thing about it. It's it's really lethal to the tree. It's not going to cure a tree. It's a it's a nuance because you know you're having those galls dropping and and putting some uh, color in your driveway, unwanted uh, yeah. things that you have. It's uh, it bothers. I know, but then you know, once fall sets in, the leaves are gone. You know, you may or may not get it back next season. But it's something that you, I don't. I doubt it that it would kill your tree. So, so that's the good thing about it. Michael did some good research because I think that's 100% accurate. And so this parasitic wasp that, that causes leaf gall um, is around for now. But like you said, as it loses the leaves, it's not going to be a problem. And that makes me think back to of, <laughs> oaks have had a rough go of it this year because back in like May, we were looking at the, um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm blanking. That was uh, Leaf scorch? No, the, uh, oh my gosh, I just forgot what it was. <laughs> when the leaves were becoming like, white like hold and why it was the uh oak saw fly no don't know <laughs> oh my gosh you'll you'll know when i say it but we had okay. that in may and then recently some of the larvae from willow oak saw fly with these mm. little yellow caterpillars that kind of bristle up and stuff but anything like that whether it was back in may or later in the summer that was working to defoliate a tree mm. yes back in may the oaks had a chance to put new leaves out and so now with this willow oak sawfly that people were seeing like back in August and stuff, again, the leaves are going to drop, but it's not causing any fatal permanent damage to the tree itself. No. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, Michael, good. That's good news for you. Nothing you need to do. Nothing you need to worry about. All right. Up next, Nancy calling from Lawrenceville about her dogwood. Hey there, Nancy. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning. What's going on with your, uh, with your dogwood? We love dogwoods. I know it's a beautiful pink dogwood, but it's 25 years old, and it's—I'm not sure exactly when the bark started turning black, but um, I tried to pressure wash it off, and it came off a little bit, but it came back. Okay. So it's probably been turning black for the last couple of years, I think, maybe. Is it slimy? No, just mm -hmm. black and like like it's been in a fire, like oh. after oh, wow. fire. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's hard to tell uh, what what's happening with your tree there. If you don't mind sending us a couple of pictures, uh, sure, of course. 
course. Yeah, Ashley asked a good question. If it's slimy, if you see any oozing coming out, then we have an idea what it was. But if it's dry, yeah. it's just a black. We, I, we don't really know. So just send us a couple of pictures. We'll do some uh, investigation on it. How do the leaves look? The leaves look fine. Hmm. And you said it's about, you told uh, our call screener, about 25 years old maybe? It, I know for sure because it was given to us as a gift from my son when he was bored. Oh, okay. So, okay, so we want to save the dogwood, but also, Raphael, I'm thinking like the lifespan of dogwoods and cherry trees, they just don't live that long. There's that too, yeah. What is yeah. it, 25, 30 years, maybe 40 maybe. the latest? Yeah. yeah. So, um, Nancy, while you're on hold, I'll get your information and you can email me the pictures. And I do. Off the air, I speak with these guys during the week. Mm -hmm. And whenever somebody sends me a cool or interesting picture or something that we need help uh, identifying, if I don't know, Raphael in his free time has has taken it upon himself to like answer some of the questions for me. And I appreciate that. And Seth Hawkins has done the same. Um, so feel free to send us a couple of pictures. Send us one maybe standing back. And then maybe one uh, up close a little bit so we can kind of see that scorched look. Did she say that she pressure washed it? She did. <laughs> we don't want to do that, though. Yeah. Because yeah. once you take the bark off, yeah. that exposure is kind of dangerous for the tree. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you don't want to damage the living tissue of the tree. I mean, is there ever, even with lichens, I, I don't know if there's ever a case where you would scrub or want to like do anything to the bark or scrape it off in any case would you no well lichens are actually good mm -hmm. you know they're the good bacteria just like we have good bacteria in our stomachs you know lichens are good it's actually a, an indication that you have pure air oh. around the tree that's why you don't see lichens in uh, trees in downtown atlanta because it's not as good so, but you see a lot of lichens in a heavily wooded area in the suburbs. So. Yeah. So what we're talking about when we're talking about lichens is that silvery, almost bluish type. Some people think it's mold. Some people think it's some kind of fungus, but it's not. It's silvery looking really neat. Uh, is on the limbs and the trunks of tree oftentimes. And I actually had uh, a friend pass along a picture, Linda, too of her Japanese maple and her neighbor was seeing that on there and was like, your Japanese maple's diseased. You need to get it looked at. And I was like, nope, thank God you sent me the picture because that's not the case at all. No. So it's actually a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. Just like when folks call in and they see mushrooms in their lawn, they call me kind of freaking out like, no. oh man, what, what do I need to do? What does this mean? I'm like, that's actually a good thing because the mushrooms are taking advantage of really nutritious soil. There's mm -hmm. something in that soil that they're working to decompose so it's kind of a blessing that yeah. they're there. It's a good sign. Mm -hmm. So lichens, I didn't know that about the air quality, though. Yeah, that's right. They like to have, they like to be revolved by, you know, pure air. So that's when they thrive. Wow. Yeah. All right. See, there you go. Lichens are our friends. Uh, so Nancy, we'll get to you uh, for colors of the, or uh, pictures of the dogwood here shortly. 404-872-0750. We'll talk to CJ and Monroe about apple trees. And I want to talk to these guys about property disputes. And legalities. Let's face it, we don't all live in a perfect world, and you're not best friends with your neighbor necessarily, and there's a lot of things they may do to annoy you. But when it comes to trees and problems, property line, we're going to kind of set all that straight for you too when we return. So you're listening to 95.5 WSB. Weather update for the weekend brought to you by Finley Roofing. Mostly cloudy today, lingering rain showers in some areas, but breezy, drier in the afternoon, a high in the low 70s, high of 70 tomorrow, partly cloudy and cool. The complete forecast comes up in 10 minutes. Green, green and growing.
Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, now's a good time to get out there and plant dwarf mondo grass. It grows well in shade or partial shade. You'll be amazed how quickly it's going to fill in if you do it now by spring and summer. For full coverage, plant three to four inches apart, and the growth generally doubles each year after becoming established. It sends out sprigs. For borders, you can plant it two inches apart, and then maybe plan to add, add some 10-10-10 fertilizer in March, and that's going to keep that dwarf mondo vigorous. Number two, fertilize your fescue if it's not mostly weeds. But if it is, you don't want to fertilize weeds. So remove the weeds that you can and maybe reseed this time of year. Aeration is really important. My neighbor has put out grass seed twice and he has not aerated. There are no plugs in his yard. And I'm thinking you're just wasting your money. You've got to have good seed to soil contact. Make a couple of passes across the lawn when you're reseeding. Keep it watered really well for at least the next month, six weeks. And number three, mulch under trees and shrubs. Raphael and Jeff have talked about that. It keeps the weeds away, prevents disease on next year's leaves, like on rose bushes and things lower to the ground. Um, and it just retains moisture too. 404-872-0750. Jennifer out in Covington. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. What's your question about your Japanese maple? Well, it's about five years old, and it's grown, you know, well. But the problem is about half the leaves are green and the other half the beautiful red that I, of course, won't. And when did this... I wonder what I can do. When did the um, leaf color change start? Um, Almost immediately. I have a theory. What, What do you think? Let's go with your theory first. What you got? (laughs) So only because I walked a couple of Japanese-esque gardens with a certified aesthetic pruder, Norm Mitleider, a couple weeks ago, and that just prolonged heat, and it was so dry in June. Like, we literally had no rain for three or four weeks back in June. I think that caused a little bit of stress to things like maples because they just can't take it that doggone hot. And so maybe, Raphael, like a sign of stress is the leaf color happening earlier. Is that possible? Prematurely, yeah, that's definitely possible. I'm still getting used to uh, kind of imagining what the cl- what your, your listeners are telling you without seeing it. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm so yeah, used to seeing guy, it. Right? Yeah, but uh, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. Are th- those uh, brown leaves still clinging, st- staying on the tree, or they're, are they falling? Well, they're not brown. They're just green, and they look healthy. But what, the, others, the red the, ones? Yeah. Oh, the red ones. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Uh, no, they're still there. Yeah. Okay. So I think just maybe enjoy a little early fall. Now, it's funny. We had Seth say that, you know, foresters in North Georgia are predicting that peak may not happen till the 1st of November, which to me seems kind of late. But closer in the city, when it was so hot and dry for so long, uh, we get fall a little early because of the stress. Yeah. So really, no need to be alarmed, right, Raphael? I mean, no, I don't think so. Nothing you need to do for the tree. Yeah, if you're not seeing any branches dying back or any leaves turning brown, I think it should be okay. Wow. So that's really cool. So just enjoy it, Jennifer. That sounds really cool. Half green, half red. And boy, there's some maples that'll start showing really pretty yellow here soon. Looking forward to all of that leaf change. 404-872-0750. CJ, Charles, Bill, stick around. Plus property damage and legalities and trying to get along with your neighbor for the betterment of everybody. These guys have some advice. Next, you're listening to Green and Growing on WSB.